Hello and welcome to Crisis of Faith with Joe and Drew. So glad that you're listening today. I hope that uh, before we move, we, we be, oh boy, I didn't do my me, 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 mo, mo, mo's. And I'm my, Joe. The human torch was denied a bank loan. Oh man, the arsonist had oddly shaped feet. We're recording an hour earlier than we normally do, which as it turns out is a big deal uh, for the way my mouth works. Um, but before we get very far into the episode, I would love it if you would subscribe right now if you haven't yet, and maybe send this episode to someone so that you could talk about it with them as soon as it's over. Uh, I think that would be a great way for us to do this. Before we jump into anything, let's hit that Jesus jingle, and then Joe's got some super, super pressing and important things that he needs to talk about before we talk about a little more of Jesus today. Preacher is Jesus, a white guy, and does he really hate everyone who is gay? Does he turn up his nose before he bombs all his foes? Is he a member of the NRA? Preacher, does Jesus really care if the poor can't find enough scraps? Or does he say, suck it up, son, look at how good I've done by just pulling on my designer boots? Yeah. All right. Well, one thing that I wanted to tell you about is last week we did an update on your pastoral journey. You're a pastor, then you're not a pastor, then you are a pastor, all that shit. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm familiar with it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it's my so, life and livelihood we're talking about here. I was going to tell the Christians that... Um, acupuncture works <laughs> really yeah i mean it could be just placebo effect or whatever but that's right great <laughs> i'll could take it, it does could it potentially work if uh if a there's a cat white woman did it i don't think so yeah you don't think it so. wouldn't make sense it was a big part of of what made it work for you yeah in in much the same way that if i were to ever purchase essential oils not from an evangelical or Mormon white woman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I would trust them. I don't think that you can, though. Yeah, I think it would where, have to be. <laughs> where are you going to buy? <laughs> like, you're not going to find, you're not so gonna just, find like, just so a Mexican our... <laughs> dude selling essential oils somewhere. <laughs> just so we're clear, our racism is consistent. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, that's really good to hear. So you don't have the gout anymore? Yeah, all of it. <laughs> that was unrelated. The, yeah. The gout, it turns out, is not true. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it works. Whatever How many times did you have to go? In there. Oh, like a hundred. So many times. Really? So it's also entirely possible that it's just run, whatever you were dealing with has just run its course. <laughs> well, it was like a that's just almost about two how year ordeal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and now it's gone. In a couple of weeks of or you know a month or so of acupuncture, so it's it's good stuff. I say, try it out. That's that's my commercial for the day. If you have been experiencing the same kind of pain for over two <laughs> yeah. years, try it out. The truth is, if I had like, if I had a runny nose, like I'm I'm sold on acupuncture. That's my point. If I had any other kind of pain. I, that that's where I'd go first. All especially kinds of pain. dental pain. 
Do you fain go-, go straight to the acupuncturist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do not, do not start at a dentist for that shit. Yeah, that's that's really that's good advice. Um, <laughs> this acupuncture thing could make for a great T-shirt. I would yeah. totally, yeah, I would totally do that. I'm, I'm not seeing it. What's the slogan? I think maybe something like, we don't believe in faith healing. We believe in acupuncture. <laughs> or something. <laughs> I thought there's you were going to say. That, there's a joke somewhere in there. Like, you know faith healing is nuts. You know how you sometimes see those um, billboards that are like, it'll it'll say abortion, but then have the letters crossed out to make it adoption. Like mm-hmm. adoption, not abortion. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be something like where you had like dentistry crossed acupuncture. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do a lot of work with the letters to make that one go. But <laughs> yeah, don't you put yeah. any needles anywhere near my mouth. <laughs> put them everywhere else on me. <laughs> well, it doesn't work that way. You might Cover like the, cover got... the surface of my skin. <laughs> I don't want you to explain how acupuncture actually works. <laughs> If you have teeth pain, you might be putting needles in your knee, you know? Huh. Because the knee bone's connected to the the tooth bone. (laughs) (laughs) Through your chakra. There's the, you know, the the knee tooth chakra. Yeah. It works. Oh, I know. I know. Um, So I sent you an article late last night. Well, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Before we get into anything serious, I, there's uh, something else I wanted to ask you about. People this is, call me all the time, Joe, saying they're so sick and tired <laughs> of your bullshit and your attempts at humor and your jokes. <laughs> hey, and they're like, this is, just let Drew talk theology. Just let him teach us the Bible. This is, this is true. The other day, um, I, I shared this episode on Facebook. You know, yeah, it's where the old people are, and not or this potentially. <laughs> let's go ahead and throw that in. <laughs> that would that's super meta. This the social experiment formerly known as Facebook, potentially. <laughs> right. Uh, I just want to make sure we don't date this episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, sorry. So I shared our last episode about you becoming a pastor again. Yeah, on the social experiment formerly known as Facebook, and someone commented, "Surprisingly, I really like this episode because normally I only like to hear <laughs> <I> Joe." Saw- <laughs> I saw that, and I wanted to say something so real great. pissy and whatever, but I don't know how well people know. I mean, I guess if somebody listens to this enough, then they know that like anything I would say would be a total joke. Um, <laughs> but but that was really funny. So that was affirming to know that at least somebody out there doesn't give a shit about you. and Somebody's here for you. It's good to know. It's good to know indeed. Most people I know are only here for the jingles. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, I got a thing. Um, okay, so Gwendolyn and I have been watching The Goldbergs, which okay. I told you you should watch, and you said that Greg, your dad, watches it. Um, yeah. Which I think you meant as an insult to me, but I don't get how. No, uh, I love Greg very much, and Greg loves a good <laughs> fart joke. So, yeah, more power to the you. Goldbergs is <laughs> hilarious. It's a great show, but any so, it, not that it matters. But the premise of the show is Adam Goldberg. He's like telling his for real 
life story and he goes like they at the end show like video clips home video kind of things it's like this is really happened um so one of the interesting things about adam goldberg is how he like just was casually connected to all kinds of famous people um people who later you know became actors and musicians and professional baseball players and all this stuff right um, right. Gwendolyn pointed that out. Like, what? How interesting is that? And then I started to think about it. And you and I, Drew, also are casually connected to a lot of like B-list famous people. Yeah, yeah. Um. So we. Well, I I thought of all of them, and now I've forgotten. <laughs> oh, uh, is, okay. Okay, go ahead. Well. So we graduated from high school with Doug Ligurski, who was a who went on to be a professional football That's player. Right. He played for the Steelers, uh, like started for them one year. They won the Super Bowl or World Series. Oh yeah, World he, Series, he did whatever. He did win a Super Bowl. Steelers win a uh, Super yeah. Bowl World Series. <laughs> yep. Um. So that's cool. And then, uh, and and we, our middle school guidance counselor. Yep. was the <laughs> the mother of Morgan Spurlock. Right. Famous for um Super Size Me and other like documentary films. Yep, that's the only one I was thinking of. I kind of forgot about Doug, but I don't know if Doug yeah. is even B-list. You mean because he's A-list? I mean, because or because he's C-list. I don't even know if he still plays. He's a lineman on a sh- he's a lineman in the NFL, like I—that's B-list. He's big. That's the thing. He, like That's large, like physically large. So yeah, anywhere big, he goes, they're like, that guy. I mean, I don't know. You'd notice him. Um, maybe, maybe he's. B-list. I don't know if he still plays football anymore. He might. I don't either. You know, it's such a short career, football. Uh, the other person is. Uh, were you friends with? John Howard, um, I was good friends with yeah. him like in elementary school. But yeah, he, I was good friends. He probably because he played music, um, right. like a big music guy. Anyway, his grandfather owned the like the dance studio in town. Um, Jerry Rose, and he's like a famous dance choreographer. I think he worked on Dirty Dancing. With huh. Patrick Swayze. You know, I as soon as you said Jerry Rose, I remembered that that was John Howard's family. Um, I didn't know that he was like famous though, or that he was yeah. involved in real Hollywood he's, stuff. He's legit, man. Man, you're right. So we're so why we're is this podcast like not just blowing up? Kevin Bacon. We need to get those people on the horn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> true. Gersky on the podcast. <laughs> we should have him on. Um, he's uh, he was a delight. <laughs> or Phyllis Perla. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could get Carolyn. I think Carolyn Who's was that? the person that I knew. Spurlock. Um, oh, maybe another sister or something like that. Well, she she worked with my yeah, dad. Um. At the doctor's office. Oh, I think she's right, like right, a, right, right, right. Um, it's not a midwife, or maybe she's a midwife, or something like that. 
or a nurse practitioner or yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we could get Morgan Spurlock on here, that would be really good. Because it even seems yeah. like he would probably even have a lot to say about <coughs> this kind of thing. Well, we um, should call him up. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll get on the horn. Let me call my let me call my high school ex girlfriends and see if she's still in touch with the family. Uh, <laughs> uh, I um, so I sent you an article. Can I do this now? Can I? <laughs> Fine, Drew. I really you told me that you wanted to talk about that, and I um legitimately like sat around trying to think about people that I knew that were kind of famous now or any, and I I couldn't come up with any. I didn't even know. Morgan Spurlock yeah. was the name was the one name that I was like I guess I kind of know some of his family. Um, oh, and and uh, well, no, that's just wealthy. I was gonna say the Klein people, <laughs> the oh the coal yeah. mine people, and and They're the governor famously wealthy. Well, did you know Jill? Justice? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We the we governor were with- of West Virginia is more famous than the governor of West Virginia should be on his own merit. Because I mean, to be dog. honest, he's a bit of an internet celebrity. Yeah. Because what, of his What's the dog's read. name? Baby Baby Dog or something? Yeah, Baby Dog. Yeah. He's yeah. he's made some he's made some national news for for general uh doofusry. Like <laughs> yeah. just I don't know if he's a bad guy. I don't I don't know what any story about his politics or anything like that. I just usually he's online because he can't read a teleprompter very well. Um <laughs> And he had some very strange approaches too, but he grew his his kids grew up in the same elementary school as me. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, a mile I remember away from my house. Went to middle school with Jill, and then she may have left. I think went somewhere else for high school. Private? I, I, I can't remember. Maybe probably the probably one of the really fine private institutions of Beckley, West Virginia, <laughs> Greater Beckley Christian Academy. Yeah. Or, you know, the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was it. Um, so I sent you this article last night from The yeah. Atlantic, which is a little which odd. Which super I, fancy. Why are you reading The Atlantic? I didn't know you were that smart. Well, I've tried to read The Atlantic before, and every time I pick one up, I'm like, when does this article end? <laughs> 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 if anybody ever wants me to write... A review for the Atlantic, if they're ever trying to get that whole thing off the ground, and they want <laughs> some press. I think my first comments would be, "Seems like pretty smart stuff," um, but I've never finished one. Never finished one of your articles, <laughs> except yeah. last night I did, uh, because the wow. Atlantic put out yeah. an article uh, called "The Evangelical Church." The Evangelical Church is breaking apart. Um, Can't even get through the title. The the what? You can't even get through the title. It's oof, yeah, and then it has a subheading. Good grief, because <laughs> you gotta fill up space on the internet with something. Uh, Christians must reclaim Jesus from his church. Um, now, on its own devices, I mean, f- first of all, it's the Atlantic, and that seemed strange. Like this seems like an article that the Christian you know, Christianity Today or the Christian Post or Relevant Magazine or any of those wouldn't be that odd. They put out articles like this all the time. It seems a little odd that The Atlantic would be, you know, that there would be a wide enough audience for this kind of thing among people who are really interested in, you know, 
I, I don't even know what the Atlantic specializes in. It's like short stories and literary stuff mostly, isn't it? Is it even news? Yeah. No, there's a lot of news, like news commentary for smart people. Um, for smart people with a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the most interesting thing about it, I mean, obviously that like that was a big deal, but it was posted by um, a very evangelical pastor friend um, here in, in Richmond who was saying like, you got to read this. If you're in the church, you got to read this. And as I was reading it, which is always the case, I mean, I got through about half of what was being said here and the warnings and things. I was like, this is about you, bruh. <laughs> like, this is about what, what yeah. you do, um, or at least the, the negative side of things. But yeah, it was a great, a great read. Kind of inspired a few thoughts for me. But did you make any like notes of anything that, that caught your attention? Yeah, I did. So, I mean, the in, like the hook of the article, right, is about David Platt's church, um, mm-hmm. which is a story I've been following. I don't think we've really talked about it on here. Um, but Should we say who was da- basically about who David Platt is? Yeah, first? David like, Platt. I mean, I don't know a lot about him. He's a like famous evangelical mega church pastor, yeah. and pretty conservative, like pretty like standard. He's sort of main like mainstream mega church guy like no. well one of the th- one of the things about yes yes i would say that's true but one of the things that sets him apart and makes him interesting to me makes a like a long-term interesting thing for me is david platt although i would disagree with him on things he's been someone that i've kind of agreed with for a very long time on kind of the thing that put him on the map was a book called radical okay um where david platt basically said None of the Christians I know are real Christians. They don't believe the follow the teachings of Jesus. They don't follow anything he says. They're not actually interested in a real um, Jesus movement kind of thing. Um, and he makes a lot of pretty compelling arguments and things that I would basically agree with. Now, his decision is to be, you know, or, or his kind of push is we need to be way more pious way more religious, yeah, right. way more committed. We need to read our Bibles all the time. <clears throat> he had a church in Birmingham at the time that we lived in Birmingham that would do Wednesday night uh, like missionary-style wor- worship services where they would get together, no lights, no anything, like just candlelight, and he would just read the Bible for like four or five hours in a microphone. Or, or maybe there's no mic. I don't know. And people are just supposed to sit there and just listen to the Bible being read um, because... This is how apparently um, people do it in China uh, when they're being oppressed by their government. So they would get together and pretend that they were being oppressed by their government. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but but the well, they that's are all interesting, huh? We're supposed to say happy holidays, right? Well, we that's not oppression. To, we do have to. Also, do, did you know that gay that. marriage is legal now? Where? I mean, right here in the U.S. of A. What's next? People going to marry their donkeys? <laughs> oh man. Um <laughs> the uh, but I think all of that's pertinent because the thing that made David Platt famous and that made Christians and evangelicals really love him is that he kept saying none of you guys are doing it right. It was, you know, we kind of talked about this once before like the stepping on toes thing. 
Um, yeah, yeah. He, right. he was really, really. He became well known for saying to Christians, "You suck at Christianing," and they're like, "Yeah, we do. Bring us more of that." Um, <laughs> and now he's in this position in a church where he's kind of um, saying, "You guys suck at Christianing when it comes to race and when it comes to you know your your uh, affiliations politically," and the church is seriously pushing back and they're saying, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. When you were telling us we suck at Christian because we don't read the Bible enough, we liked that. When you told yeah. us we sucked at Christianing because we weren't um, creating opportunities for ourselves to feel oppressed enough, <laughs> we liked that. <laughs> but now you're telling us that white evangelicalism seems racist. Um, and I think it's just about time for you to hang, hang your hat up on your evangelical career. Yeah, so... So Platt, like the some people, there was a kind of an underground like movement to take over his church. Like uh, some elder, I don't, I don't know what's happening with it exactly, but basically, it seems like he's on the way out with Russell Moore and with Beth Moore, unrelated, um, and that kind of like they are unrelated. Just, yeah, they're unrelated. I assumed Russell um, Moore was Beth Moore's <clears throat> husband. Nope, no, they're okay. unrelated. Got it. Um, People Just getting a very like, white inbred of... movement is the <laughs> <laughs> Just like, just for being like normal, not even like these are all every every one of those three people that I just named are like really conservative. Yeah, super conservative theologically, probably frankly politically. Um, of course, they're not going to talk about their politics, but they're they're all very conservative and they're getting edged out by these and and edged out being called like they're woke or they're whatever. Right. Like, right. <laughs> because they're saying like, Hey, if you worship Donald Trump, that's probably not part of this Jesus thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's a, it's another in a long line, but what I thought was interesting about the article and I'll admit that I didn't, I, I read it like an Atlantic article. I mean, I just skimmed it. Like, That's really? what you're supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should That's subscribe to the Atlantic. I didn't know you weren't supposed to read them all. That's no, what I no, always no, get no. discouraged. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, somebody has to feed my children at some point today. There's yeah, if you're retired... That's you. You that makes sense. get it now. You start skimming it so that when you retire, you're just like you can just ease into yeah, makes reading sense. the full thing. Um, so somebody and I don't even remember the name now. I was just scrolling through trying to find his name, but some they they interviewed a bunch of evangelical leaders about this, like what's happening with David Platt and how are we gonna you know how do we think about that? And one of the like the kind of the main chunk of the article, this guy was saying like. Well, the problem is, you see, that we only get, like, we churches aren't doing a very good job of teaching people about Christianity, and even if we did, we only get them for an hour a week, and yeah. then they have the news on for another 30 hours in the week or whatever, and, like, how can we compete with that? And they compared it to catechisms, like, they were they were talking about the... Right. Is that, am I yeah. saying that right? Like the yep. way that the Catholic church has this kind of set up structure. Um, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about Catholicism here. I know nothing about it, but basically <laughs> there's an education. It's like, it's like you got to get your diploma 
um, yeah. before you can be for real, for real Catholic. Uh, and there's a required education element that evangelicalism just doesn't have. Yeah. And has been, this, this person was saying it's like, it's trending toward, uh, entertainment. We are like trying to grow bigger and bigger churches by doing, which I mean, like we grew up in nineties youth group culture. It's not trending there. It's been there. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was, that was all about entertainment. Although we did do, I mean, there was a lot of Bible stuff, like a lot of Bible teaching. So, um, but I, I think it was in definitely hindsight. Blended. I don't know what that was though. In hindsight, that's always an interesting thing for me to talk about. Like whenever we say Bible study was emphasized Bible, like we, we taught the Bible a lot. We talked about the Bible a lot. I, for the life of me, can't remember what I actually learned <laughs> other than God really, really hates me. I mean, that's, and just to be really, really on, like that's the bottom line, like God is disappointed. And I'm just not sure that that's even a biblical message um, so sure. <laughs> all of the all of the Bible study things is like what it, it wasn't even the Bible it was always a certain subculture thing that yeah, was yeah, being yeah. taught it wasn't sure. even the Bible we weren't taught how to read the Bible or you know what it was or or how to apply it to our life I mean I was at, I was in church this past Sunday my um my in laws are visiting so I wasn't doing anything in church and I just assumed we weren't going but my in laws are in town and Megan was like let's take them to church and I thought oh yeah obviously that was kind of one of the main reasons we got involved in church again anyway <laughs> it's like so so we could tell our parents so, we go right. <laughs> we can take them and there would be at least a few people there who recognize us and hopefully won't say where have you been <laughs> um. um but we went, and the guy who preached on Sunday actually talked about Jesus quite a bit. And Megan said to me afterwards just how kind of jarring it was. And she was like, you know, you're the one that brought this to my attention, Drew, but I noticed this Sunday how weird it was to hear someone who wasn't you from a pulpit and a microphone talking about the actual person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Um, like, she's actually noticing that that's just not a thing that was ever really brought up. So anyway, all of this, all of this thing about it, 90s youth group culture and even youth group culture to this day and the focus on Bible study and the, uh, it's a, it's an interesting thing to start to see like, if there is a catechism, an unofficial one, like if we're trying to indoctrinate with something, it's not Jesus. That's not part of it. It's not really even the Bible. Um, that's not part of it because you can you can even say to certain evangelicals like you can't you don't follow the Bible you can't follow the Bible <laughs> like that doesn't make sense well, as that's, a statement that's kind of the point that I was wanting to get yeah. to is that like it, to me it sounds that sounds good on paper when you say well look we only get to teach them for an hour a week and then they go and listen to the news and so of course they're going you know people are going off the rails with this Trumpism and so forth um but I feel like it's a cop out because like it's like saying, you know, if it's not our fault, it's not our fault evangelicalism that uh you know that everybody that half of our people have gone crazy political conspiracy um you know, like not believing the results of the election, anti vax the whole thing. 
you know, that's not our fault. We only get a little bit of time with them. And if we, if we could just give them more evangelical teaching, then they would be yeah. okay. Yeah. And I want to say, like, I just don't think the evidence bears that out. I mean, this is Kristen Cobzumay's whole point in her book is that, like, this stuff didn't come from nowhere. Like, this is this is what evangelicalism has been building for the last 60 years. And like, and the truth is, if you look around, who are those people that are the crazy conspiracy Trump nuts? Well, I don't see any people who are like that that aren't also super into their evangelical Christianity. It's not like, oh, these are just the sort of, that's, the the guy in the article that they were interviewing was saying, well, these are kind of like not serious Christians who are just getting a little bit of Christianity and they're just like holding that as a flag, but then they're they're really shaped by Fox News or whatever. Right. And the truth is, no, these people who are crazy Trump conspiracy theorists are the people who are there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Like, they're the ones who are serious about it. They're the ones who are in. And this is where, like, they see this shit in what you're teaching. It's not if you if I got to teach them more, they'd be better. It's, they got this from you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's 100% true. We also know, I mean, we saw it at the Capitol riots. We saw that, you know, if you were to have flown some kind of flag indicating that you were a Muslim uh, or a Buddhist or anything like that, then the people in the crowd would have murdered you. Um, but yeah, someone right. flying Jesus flags or Christian flags seems not out of place at all. And if you were to interview, um, now this is a this is not a real statistic, so I don't know, but if you were to ask a hundred people from the Capitol riots, if you were to ask a hundred people from the Charlottesville riot with the tiki torches and the the um the white supremacy march in charlottesville from like five years ago if you were to ask them are you a christian nine out of ten maybe 99 out of a hundred maybe 999 out of a thousand of them would say well yeah i'm a christian and that is the it's come up so many times in the in the first year of this podcast and in conversations that you and I have had for years it's come up over and over and over again like so why is it that you won't find anyone in evangelicalism who is openly accepting and affirming of LGBTQ folks um, because they know for a fact you can't be this and that but every white nationalist considers themselves to be in the camp yeah. and they see no conflict with that whatsoever. Yeah. You can totally be, be an evangelical Christian and an open racist and there's no. Yep. You can't be evangelical and gay, but you can be evangelical and racist. And even if you are, I'm sorry, violent. even if you're not, even if you're not like openly racist, and you're in an evangelical church, most people are saying, well, you know, I don't agree with those people necessarily, but it's whatever. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. we accept it. Um, right. Right. We know that there are, we know there I are mean, racist people in the room. Yeah. And and we're not going to, yeah, it's, it's a problem. Uh, well, because look at Jesus. what happens if you say something to them. 
This is the, I mean, look at what happens to someone who is like <laughs> the gays aren't super, packing heat. <laughs> super evangelical. Well, I just mean like, yeah, exactly. Well, I, I meant like David Platt, like super evangelical, famous, like a champion of evangelicalism. He starts to say, uh, "You know that there are racist people in the room," and everybody's like, "Yeah, obviously, we're not those people." He's like, "No, I think you might be those people too." <laughs> and also, I think maybe those people shouldn't be. Uh, considered in our camp like we should be we should make it difficult for them to call themselves one of us and now they're like okay well david platt's obviously canceled (laughs) yeah um it's kind of a. are we going to talk about jesus yeah i don't know man do we have time for i mean this is going to be like this is one of the most important parts of the sermon on the mount isn't it um yeah maybe i mean it could be this could be part one of what we end well, up covering. Well, I, I don't know. We're 36 minutes into a recording. Well, I do think... Um, okay, well, let me say this. So this 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 can lead us into it. I do think that this whole conversation uh, leads into the next part of the Sermon on the Mount super, super well. Like, this okay. is... It's got to be one of the most quoted um, of Jesus. That, yeah, it, for sure. One of, one of the the number one quoted things, and as soon as we read it, as soon as you hear what what we're actually talking about today, hopefully we can begin to see the connection. There's not a racism connection here, but there is definitely a violence connection oh, yeah. here. Totally. And so the whole like racist, gun toting, whatever American evangelical, white evangelical thing, um, is in serious conflict with this extremely um, significant and famous teaching of jesus from matthew 5 38 you got it to read there yeah i'll read it right now um so you have heard it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but i say to you do not resist an evildoer but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek turn the other also and if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat give your cloak as well and if anyone forces you to go one mile Go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Okay. Um, but what if they don't strike you on the cheek, <laughs> but they try to make you wear a mask into a convenience <laughs> store? <laughs> Seems like Jesus is addressing small potatoes too, here. Too right on the nose, Drew. But but if it were big potatoes, like requiring yeah. you to get a vaccine before you go on a cruise <laughs> next spring, then obviously not only strike them on the cheek, but show them your pistol. Um, yeah, I mean, I there's Where to start no here, man? Well, th- so start? it's interesting, like, the the real... There's a famous interpreter of this passage named Walter Wink. Um, and and Wink's point in his whole interpretation is that when people read this passage, that they think that Jesus is telling people to be a pushover. Yeah. Right? Somebody slaps you, just let them slap you again. Uh, somebody t- takes something from you, just give them all of your stuff. Right? Um, and in fact, and we'll, we can go through each of the pieces, but <clears throat> in fact... What Jesus is offering is um, 
really creative and really ballsy, like stare you down kind of nonviolent resistance. That's what this this passage is about creative, nonviolent resistance to evil rather than being a doormat. Um, so just to to give you one example, uh, but th- you can do this with every single part of this passage and we can do it. Uh, somebody slaps you on the it, he specifically says on the right cheek, right? Um, so if you think about it, if I'm using my right hand, most people are right handed, right? And I want to slap you uh, on the right cheek, the way I have to do it, you have to do this math in your head, hold up your hand. The way I have to do it to, to smack you on your right cheek, I would have to backhand you, right? Which if you think, I mean, just like think about what it means to be backhanded. Like think, think of an image in your mind of that happening. It's always like some kind of you think it's of Dave like Chappelle. a medieval knight hitting his vassal. I don't. I, I don't see, know the Dave Chappelle I, reference here. A pimp. I see a one of yeah, Dave Chappelle's right. pimp characters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, from yeah, like hitting yeah, their. Show. Yeah, it's exactly it. When you to backhand somebody is like the worst kind of um, degradation. It's not just about the violence. It's about I'm better than you. I'm you're. You know, you're my underling. So if he hits you on your right cheek, turn your face toward him. Look him in the face and be like, you know, if you want to hit me, you're going to hit me for real. So will you get hit again? Maybe. Um, but it's like I'm going to I'm going to insert. I'm going to assert my humanity to you and and force you to hit me like a real person, like you're equal. Um so it's yeah. nonviolent, but it's also a kind of resistance of asserting your humanity. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. So, oh, yeah, I know what I was saying. It's, the interesting thing is that in our particular cultural moment, the problem is not people thinking that to be a follower of Jesus, you need to be overly passive, right? The problem is gun-toting, like, I'm going to scream you down because you asked me to put on a mat, like, violent aggressive uh yeah. what does Kristen Dumay call it uh like m- militant militant masculinity yeah. um that's that's the ethos of the day um so really what we need to emphasize about this is not the not that it's resistance but that it's nonviolent and creative right. so we're not we're not needing to i mean it seems like the mistaken way that you could interpret this is to think that it is encouraging i, I see what you're saying like you could mistake this passage as suggesting an over passivity like that you could you could misread it and be like well it sounds like you're just going to end up kind of lazy and not engaging in any fights and like you're just you know kind of cowardly and lazy um, and we want to clarify that Jesus is actually talking about nonviolent revolution here. Um, yeah. But no one's misinterpreting it that way. They're just ignoring it. They're just ignoring it. They're just it. Yeah, claiming right. the name of Jesus while they um, are the aggressor, <laughs> while yeah. they are doing the back the backhanding themselves. Um, like, you know, yeah, another way exactly you could right. avoid getting slapped on the cheek, slap them first. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, a really, a really interesting 
thing about this. I've taught this uh, a lot in, in churches. I don't know if anybody can tell there's a theme, and there's a, a few people actually that, that listen to Crisis Faith pretty regularly that I know who are, are friends of mine. And, uh, and like the few uh, people who were in evangelical churches who have stayed connected with me over the years are people who were like, it's almost like we were kind of winking at each other the whole time I, I was talking about these things because I would emphasize this. I would talk about this a lot. Um, a passage that I don't ever remember hearing another. Pre- I know how often I say that and people just don't. I, I don't know if I don't know if people outside of evangelicalism just don't believe me. They're like, I thought you were like Christian people, and you every time you come across the teaching of Jesus, I mean, this is Sermon on the Mount. You're like, like you've heard this more than, and I said up front, it's like you know this is more famous. You've heard it than anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've never heard it preached. Nobody's ever talked about this in a sermon um, that, that I've heard. It was never brought up in youth group. It was never brought up in any churches where I was not the the preaching pastor. It's not on podcasts very often. Like if you were just go look, you know, top 10 um, uh, evangelical preacher podcasts today, uh, you're not going to find this being preached by anyone except, you know, Greg Boyd or Robert, like people who have been basically kicked out of evangelicalism or, or lost. I mean, Greg Boyd very famously taught this passage and others like it, um, in, I mean, it was probably 20 or 30 years ago around the time that he released the book Myth of a Christian Nation. And like something like 65% of his of his megachurch left. Like they just walked out the door. Um, and this is a guy who pretty much always represented these ideals, but as soon as it's the David Platt thing all over again, it's like as soon yeah. as he kind of stared him down and said, uh, no guys, <laughs> no guns, no guys, no guns. Like let's... Can we, can we at least accept and embrace the idea that any violent action on our part is not a Jesus action? Um, and Boyd even, co- I, I think we should say about this, Boyd even covers, in, in Myth of a Christian Nation, he even says, like, you know, if someone were to break into my house in the middle of the night and come after my children, I'm not telling you that I would not violently attack that person. But I am telling you that in that moment, I believe I would be violating the teaching of Jesus. Mm. I just want to admit that up front, yeah. that I am, that this is not, Jesus does not offer that caveat. And then, you know, something that I've always added to that is, and he proved it too. Like, Jesus didn't show up and defend his friends when they were being tortured and murdered on his, like, it just happened. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus does something there that I would just, uh, the, the human in me would just disagree with. Or himself. I mean, when people came for him, we've talked about that before. People came yeah. for him. Peter goes after them. He says, hey, let it go. Right. We're not that. that what, what do you think this is? Have you not paid attention to anything? I mean, it's like Jesus addressing the evangelical community right there. <laughs> he yeah. says to Peter, what do you think this is? Because um, it seems that you were not paying attention. Now, let me just go ahead and say something, a hot take here, a little controversial thing, because we promised we would do it. We said whenever we come across something that Jesus teaches that we disagree with, that we would openly admit that. Okay. Um, if someone slaps me on the cheek, I may, in, in certain circumstances, be willing to offer the other cheek. If someone comes after me, if I'm put in a position to you know, die for a cause that I think is worth dying for, whatever— 
all of those things, like, that's one thing, and I respect that. If someone, on the other hand, were to oppress my children, my family, the people that I love and care about the most, then this teaching falls on deaf ears even for me. Yeah. I am starting to see here where it's kind of like, okay, Jesus not defending himself is commendable. But Jesus not defending his friends in these scenarios or not, like that is different. I'm not saying it's wrong or bad, and if you're committed to nonviolence, then you need to be committed. I'm just saying that's a part of the teaching where I'm like, I kind of hope I never get to that point. I kind of well, hope I never fully embrace the nonviolent thing to the extent that I would say, you can do even whatever you want to my kids, and I will, I will do nothing in return. Like, that's just not true. Yeah. Well, I mean, you remember this, like, we started this series of, of Jesus Talks with that episode called Jesus is Impossible. Like, how could right. you possibly follow this? And you made the point of like, well, yeah, I mean, it is like you would have to like get rid of all law courts and you'd have to get rid of marriage and you'd have to get like, there's a lot, a lot of things that if you took Jesus really literally, you'd have to change like completely upend society. Um, it's impossible. And you were like, well, yeah, but he kind of did it. <laughs> like he does seem yeah. to be the model of his own teaching yeah um and the thing is i mean we've talked about this a whole lot in the last several months like jesus wasn't married and he didn't have a family and he kind of told people to try to avoid that if possible um and like maybe that's part of it i mean part of that is we've of course we've talked a lot about this but like part of it is jesus thought the world was gonna end right or at least right. dramatically change very soon. And so what's the point? Like, don't, don't get married and don't buy any green bananas, but also like, it's a whole lot easier to, to even think theoretically through radical nonviolence when what you're really talking about is yourself. Yeah. And not a family. Yeah. Well, not, I mean, you know, well, the logic of this, and even, even if your friends, like your friends, are chosen and committed to this project as well, you know, it's like if you're yeah. def- not defending them when we've all decided together we're going to be nonviolent is a right. different thing than than not defending like my kids who have don't have any vested interest in this project, right? Like the the monk who who lights himself on fire and dies publicly. Um, around his monk friends who allow it to happen. They're like, yes, he's committed to this. You know what I mean? Like you would think, why aren't your friends putting you out? Because we decided together, you know, we have this this verbal contract thing, but, you know, my, my kids haven't made that decision, and a lot of people haven't made that. T- and I, I also, like, maybe this is not territory that we would want to get into today, but, um, but I think it, it bears bringing up in considering the way that the people who wrote the New Testament, the, the the heroes, the stars of the New Testament, understood the world and what was happening and what was about to happen. I mean, they even went as far as to say, if you're a slave, you know, just kind of figure out how to deal with it. Like, there's there's nothing in there about, like, revolt and change the 
the way things are for those of you being oppressed. Now, Jesus does seem to stand with the oppressed very often, but then on the other hand, there's kind of seem to be some teachings in the New Testament that would indicate like, well, the only way for you to ever not be slaves is for you to violently revolt in a way that um, just isn't worth it. Uh, because it won't happen before the world ends. Like, basically, is is my understanding yeah. of, like, how do you even approach those kinds of... It's like, okay, yeah, you could revolt and fight against... Really, though, we're not. you're not going to change society in time um, before this whole thing is upended and flipped on its head, and it just won't be worth it. I um, think that is a perennial problem of the entire New Testament, that because it's such an apocalyptic text, because they're, they're expecting a drastic end to the world soon... Um, this is all, all of this stuff in this passage that we read today is about creative, nonviolent, real resistance on a personal level. Yeah. Um, but there's not a lot of talk about societal change. And I think we have to extrapolate from the text that like, okay, well, if this is what we're looking for, um, on a personal level, well, what does this look like when we're 2000 years on and we got to like get on with doing some shit in the world? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Cause it turns out our bananas went bad and we, you know, had time to buy a new batch. <laughs> um, yeah. So a couple of well, other, it would be, it would be an interesting oh, like sorry. thought experiment to consider, you know, if you know, Martin Luther King Jr. is brought up a lot. Um, you know, the, the civil rights movement is brought up a lot for this because this was, this was a part of, um, Walter Wink's teaching on this was was kind of a part of that movement that was we're going to resist nonviolently. Um, it's an interesting thought experiment to consider: Would the civil rights movement have actually gone anywhere if the teachings of Jesus were literally carried out to the extent that it appears that they exist here, like? If there's not actually a resistance and more of just a dealing with the circumstances you've been handed, um, would you even, I mean, at, at a certain point, it would seem that even the civil rights movement violates what Jesus says. At a certain point, there is violent acts on the other side yeah, sure. of, of the coin saying like, no, you're not going to hit us anymore. No, you're not going to spray us with water hoses anymore. We're going to keep charging forward. We're going to, we're going to make change happen in a way that... Now, again, I'm not saying that Jesus would not approve of this. I'm saying the same thing that I've said a lot about these teachings. Like, I think, honestly, if you were to ask Jesus today, he would be like, well, wait a second. You're talking like you know, 2,000 years from now? People are still going to be around? Well, all right, well, we need, to, we need to approach a few things differently. I was talking to people that I figured would be dead in a few months, uh, yeah. like I expected to be dead in a few months. Um, I, I think we just kind of have to embrace the idea that Jesus is 100% nonviolent, both in teaching and model and in deed. Um, but but does this stuff really work on a on a grand scale if the world doesn't end uh shortly after it's said i think is the i don't know it's a recurring question in the sermon on the mount all right yeah okay so this is um i think this might be a a wrap place but i think we need to do two more episodes about this um yeah i think first of all let's let's look at the passage 
and let's talk about how how Jesus is like let's go th- we'll go through Walter Wink basically and show like how is Jesus uh teaching on a personal level nonviolent resistance right but then um we might need some help with this I have a few people in mind that we can call but uh we need to talk about well how does that play out when you're talking about first of all um nonviolent social change like in the civil rights movement um you know does does that work in our society now and secondly you know the thing now is every time you you know talk about the cause of black lives matter for instance every evangelical i know says oh it's so violent there's all these these all these uh, riots and then breaking the windows of the targets and shut the fuck up. Like if I mean, the thing is, okay. So I think we need to talk about the merits of that. We need to talk about like, well, what does it mean um, to have violence in protest? And how does that, like, how do we think about that given Jesus? Yeah. Um, but also if like people are being shot, just constantly and killed and you bring that up and somebody changes the subject to talk about broken windows. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyhow. So that's, well, I, we I think we need to do right? all that. Do we have a right as, as maybe um, at times reluctant followers of the teachings of Jesus? <laughs> I think I think that's the title. I'm uh, since I'm no longer evangelical, and the word Christian just doesn't mean anything other than white in Appalachian, um, at least where I come from. I think I'm reluctant follower of the teachings of Jesus, sixty uh, percent of the time. Ah, fifty-five, forty-five <laughs> percent of the time. Um, is there is there a point where it's okay for us to say? Yeah, I just don't think Jesus made it to this. I, I don't I don't think maybe Jesus doesn't have anything to say to this situation that we're facing now because he was alive 2000 years ago. Only lived uh a shorter life than you and I have already lived. Um had no children, had no family and probably never traveled much more than about 15 miles from where he was born. Is it okay to say that to embrace the full humanity of Jesus is to accept and admit that we might have to go off script? That we might have to try. I mean, Jesus himself said, I think it's John 14 or somewhere in there. He's like, I'm leaving and it's good for you that I go. And I'm just going to speak a little bit to the maybe the Christians that might be listening. It's good for you that I go because when I go, I'm going to be able to send the Holy Spirit. So you're actually going to have this this indwelling activity of God in your mind to show you right and wrong, to help you actually like discern some stuff that I wasn't able to cover. Like Jesus is saying, it's actually a good thing that I'm leaving. I know you want me to stay, and I know that you think that everything I'm saying is great, and you just want me to answer every question you ever have. Actually, it's better that I'm leaving because once I leave, then you'll be able to just listen to the voice of God speaking to you, be able to figure things out for yourselves. And 
is it perhaps one of the ways of following Jesus is realizing that there is a a bit of um I don't know I I can't think of a better phrase than at some point we're going to have to go off script at some point we're going to have to say Jesus said this to these people about that situation and it just doesn't work here yeah well but the thing that that we're doing is I think this is important it's not as though okay Jesus didn't have time to address everything and didn't address everything um and so we just have to make up whatever we want Instead, I think what it means to be a follower of Jesus, even if reluctant, um, is that you're you're playing variations on the theme, right? Or like the, the metaphor that Jared Bias gave us when he was on was like if you go on a cooking show um, and you get, at the end of the show, you say, look, here's the here's the fish you gave me perfectly untouched, like in yeah, in perfect condition here's the you know potatoes i didn't cook them because they were so beautiful like it just i here's the plate exactly with the ingredients you handed me well that's you know that would be just following the teachings of jesus or just trying to like take this one thing that was said and not um not working with it not making anything out of it right um but also it's you know, you would also fail the cooking show if you were like, well, I know you gave me these six ingredients, but instead I really wanted to make steak. Like, so that's not right. what we're doing. Either. That's not what we're, we're suggesting either. We're saying, okay, we have this, this life and this body of teaching um, that we're compelled by and that we're going to let it shape us. But then we've got to deal with our own shit today yeah. um, as yeah. people who are shaped by this life and this body of teaching. Well, I mean, two things to to say about that. Like, one is evangelicalism is a personal savior approach to the teachings of Jesus. So it doesn't speak to um, societal issues or, like, what changes may need to happen at large in, in our culture and in the world around us. It is... It is all about personal salvation, and that's how you can have people at Capitol riots and saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. My personal Savior is Jesus. Um, my personal approach to the afterlife and how I think about that, that's Christian. Um, but we're not necessarily forced to reconcile with how that, how that might impact and, and affect um, society at large. So I think yeah. that's really well put or to even consider our own lives <laughs> Jer- yeah um to consider what jared bias had to say on that and then on the on the other side of this the thing that i think jesus does very very wisely do um other than you know the john it's it's 14 15 16 somewhere around the the end of john where he talks about it's good that the holy spirit will come um the other thing that i think he does really well is the great commandment uh, or is it the great commandment? Yeah, the great commandment, where he basically is asked, like, what's the most important thing? Like, what do we do when the law seems to contradict itself? What do we do whenever the details get murky? What do we? And Jesus says, uh, love God and love people, and you'll follow everything I ever told you to do. Now, that part right there is a part that gets really muddy in evangelicalism because we have this thought about love being somehow potentially separated from 
from justice. Uh, from justice and truth and I don't know to go back to bias I mean I, I think I, I put this out on our it was just an Instagram story it's not still there but Jared Bias said this past week, you should beware of any religious system where we get to decide what is loving without the input of the people we're trying to love. Um, that we sort of arrive so at, again, another problem with this whole thing is if your version, I wrote it into a song that's part of the the project that I'm still putting together that's taking way longer than I thought it was going to of, of songs, but I, I wrote a line basically... Um, uh, oh, it's always so hard to remember a line without singing a song. If the things you think are true make people afraid of you, then maybe you've become someone you should be afraid of too. Um, we have this like commitment to certain ideals in evangelicalism that don't even take into account that if the people that we're loving don't think that it's love, then it's not love. No matter what you think the Bible says. Uh, To quote another friend, Naked Pastor put something out this past week. He had um, uh, one of the the rainbow-colored sheep and a white sheep, and they're both talking to Jesus. And Jesus has, like, his arm around the rainbow-colored sheep, the LGBTQ person. Um, And the white-robe sheep says to Jesus, but what about the verses? And Jesus says, love over verses. <laughs> like, Jesus, and I think this is something to be considered and remembered over and over and over again. Jesus says, forget what it says. I know it says a lot of stuff. Forget what it says. Ask the person, how would you like for me to love you? <laughs> and if they say, uh, please God, stop talking to me. <laughs> if if their if their answer is like how do you want me to love you leave me alone <laughs> like mind your own business you want to be straight be straight you want to like I got off track from where we were um, that's cool headed let's, but I do let's think call it we yeah. got a we got a project I think on this passage yeah I I, I assumed somewhat that we might be here for a little while so. Let's come back to it um, in the next couple of weeks. And until then, subscribe. Um, join the conversation somehow. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook. And uh, and whenever we put something out, make sure you kind of comment, engage, send us messages. We really, it's getting more and more true. I mean, a lot of the things, I, I'll just say this here, Joe, because I think it's worth saying. Um, a lot of things that we were saying early on, uh, in crisis faith and telling people to do because we wanted to grow this and we wanted to like really we wanted to see it move forward in a way um, and so they became a little automatic now I'm getting to a point where I'm like really longing like <laughs> like I really really want to have these conversations with real people um, and I'm, I'm finding so much value in that so please uh, reach out to us online Joe mostly handles Facebook and I mostly handle Instagram um so uh, we'd love to hear from you. Preacher, it's Jesus, a white guy. And does he really hate everyone who is gay? Does he turn up his nose before he bombs all his foes? Is he a member of the NRA? Preacher, does Jesus really care if the 
poor can't find enough scraps But does he say suck it up son Look at how good I've done By just pulling on my designer bootstraps Yeah